welcome to another. Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. You hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. And now, Leaky's own, Melissa and Ellie. Hey everybody, welcome to Pottercast, episode 40. Stepping in for the vacationing Melissa Nelly, this is John Noe. But don't worry, it's a very brief vacation, and she will be back for the rest of the show this week. And boy, what a great show it is, Pottercast 40. 40 weeks of Pottercast, I can't believe it. So to celebrate, we've got a little highlight reel for you put together by one of the biggest Pottercast fans I think we've got named Kyrene. Another leaky elf, general helper, general good gal. She did some great work this week that I'm sure will probably be putting on the feed as its own separate little show sometime this week also. Lori and your favorite guru on Pottercast lead the Modcast again this week on Fox and his Phoenix song and his contributions to all the books so far. Lexicon Steve joins us once again for another Canon Conundrums. All about that nasty lady, Bellatrix Lestrange, and her relationship with Voldemort, what to expect from her in Book 7, and all that good stuff. The fan response segment will also contain your thoughts on this particular Canon Conundrums topic. And Special K is back to the mailbag. Kristen joins us once again after a few weeks' absence to tackle some of your toughest questions for us this week. I think we probably got through maybe, I don't know, three or four. Eh, pretty pretty good number. They had me pretty stumped, though, this week, I'll tell you that. Well, we got a lot of great stuff for you this week, so I won't sit here and talk at you any longer. Let's move it on to Sue with her Sue's News. Take it away, Sue. I'll be back in a few. Listening to the news? Again? As if a normal boy cares what's on the news. Hello, everyone. Here are the latest Harry Potter news headlines now for you. As part of her upcoming trip to New York City, author J.K. Rowling will be holding a press conference along with authors Stephen King and John Irving on Tuesday, August 1st at 10 a.m. This press conference precedes the charity reading and evening with Harry, Carrie, and Garp, which is being held at Radio City Music Hall on August 1st and 2nd. All proceeds to benefit the Haven Foundation and Doctors Without Borders. LeakyNews.com will be attending and will have extensive coverage of this and the entire visit by Joe. Another book-related news now, the audiobook for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince has now become the first inductee into the brand-new Audiobook Hall of Fame. This honor for the book, which is narrated by Jim Dale, was presented over the weekend at an awards ceremony in Washington, D.C. Congratulations! Well, we have our first report now about filming out on location for the upcoming Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix movie. Reports say that filming was taking place in the Butler's Wharf area near Tower Bridge in London. While we cannot give more details, this does reflect what director David Yates said last year, as he would like to include some of the great landmarks of London for a big wizard chase along the river. Filming does continue with a summer hiatus due shortly. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix will be released in theaters next year. Finally, the Tony Awards have been announced, and several actors from the Harry Potter films have been recognized for their work on the stage. Leading actor nods went to Ray Fiennes and Richard Griffiths, Featured actress nominations went to Frances Delatour and Zoe Wanamaker, and a featured actor nod went to Jim Dale. The Tony Awards will be presented in New York City on June 11th. Well, for all of this and much more, you can find all your Potter needs at leakynews.com, which is updated daily. Enjoy the show!
Welcome to Pottercast number 40. 40. Whoa. The big 40. It is. It's a big number. Lordy, lordy. Lordy, lordy. We're 40. We're middle-aged now, everyone. Does this mean we have to buy, like, like red Corvettes and... and <laughs> Get flop over hairdos and oh, we're having um, a crisis now. We're having our little middle age crisis. Well, oh. does it? When, if you turn forty two, can you have one too? I mean, I'll just pretend I'm like thirty. How about that? S- send your Corvettes yeah. to the PO box. <laughs> Let's do it. Four zero five five nine, Staten Island, New York. One three zero four for our <laughs> for our one thousand millionaires out there. There we go. For our oh, billionaire sure. listeners, if you want to send us a mm-hmm. car. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, we call it the podcast. We have one billionaire listener, maybe. <laughs> That would be fun, you know? Like, you know how they have, like, radio stations go out and have, like, little pod, their little mobiles go out? We can have our own, like, little leaky mobile, you know? It's going to be my bicycle. Yeah, there you go. It'll probably look like the Oscar Mayer thing. <laughs> or the Pope or Mobile. The Chipotle burrito mobile. That would be. Oh, okay, be let's, let's not okay, go sorry. there already, please. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Good morning. I don't morning. even have to do it anymore. I'm sorry. Good morning or evening or whatever we're in. It's Podcast 40. Yeah, and we have a special, we have a special uh, treat this week, right? We do. What is it, John? We do. Um, if you're thinking of the same treat I am, uh, the lovely Kyrene of uh, Pottercast fan fandom mm-hmm. <laughs> has put together a awesome highlight reel of all the previous 40 Pottercasts, wow. and um, you'll get a taste of that. Now, has in a she bit. has she been listening to all 39 previous episodes for this? She has all of them on her, had them all on her computer already, and... And she'll be going to the mental institution she, shortly? <laughs> she probably knows the show better than anybody She right does. Now, and she said something to me. It's all fresh in her she mind. She said something to me the other day, and I'm like, I said that? Really? I, you know, I'd forgotten from, like, yeah. you know, way back in, like, 10 or something. Wow. <laughs> so that's what I saw. I was, I was just saying that to, uh, to someone. They're like, I get these random instant messages sometimes of people, like, repeating things that I've said from, like... <laughs> dozen episodes ago, and I have no idea what they're talking about, because I can't remember everything I've been saying. Well, here's here's something else that's going to help you remember. If you guys know, we've got um, a new look. We've got a a facelift for our 40th birthday as well. I mean, come on. Got to do it right, baby. some plastic surgery. Facelift. Got a boob job and the whole thing. No. No, We got Alex... Well, John first yeah. designed this gorgeous new Pottercast.com, which I mm. love. And Alex tore into it. In a week, he created this site, which is very, actually very complex. It's got a lot of voting. It's got a lot of um, comments. You can now vote on the Canon Conundrums topics. Mm-hmm. You can vote on the shows to, to say which ones you like the best. And then we have like a list of the top 10 on the side. We have blogs now where John's going to get to say whatever he Yay. wants to you all. <laughs> ha. Yeah. Watch out, here I come. <laughs> That's very impressive. So, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it, people have responded to it. It's just fantastic. I just, you know, I think John and I love it. It's yeah. brilliant. I've wanted for a long time us to have a place to just comment on things. Because on Leaky, you know, you, you can't always comment on things the way you want right. to. Yeah. And so now, there, now there's an actual place for it. And so it's fun. Yeah, it doesn't have to be news. Yeah. I don't have to say thanks, butthead, for the tip. I can just go in there and talk to people. It's fun. It is. You know, and I also really like the streaming audio, you know, too. That, that, that is just such a nice feature to listen to the episode. It makes I've it just tremendous. If I can picture, visualize one person sitting in their cubicle with the thing uh, minimized, listening to us in the middle of the day, then I'm happy. 
Somebody already said that they did that. They commented. I know. I saw a couple of those emails. They did it at work, and, and thank you. That's pretty cool. Very cool. I love it. So thank you, Chris Chang, for making that Flash player. Awesome. John, of yeah, course, Chris for designing Chang. it. And yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a whole new day at Pottercast. Awesome. One more one more thing for the website before I forget. Um, the transcript should all be working cool now, and there's also another cool thing coming up, that little random moments or random transcript. I forget what we call that thing. Random moment from Pottercast, whatever. Yeah. But as this is Pottercast 40, if you're feeling reflective and you'd like to send us what your favorite moments were from the previous shows, we can put that in that favorites box, and that'll come up when you look at that episode page, and it'll be fun. Well, it all sounds really exciting, and I can't wait to uh, to see it all working 100%. And what we have coming to very soon is something that you guys have been asking for for a long, long time. Oh, yes. Pottercast t-shirts. Woo! And leaky t-shirts. Yay. Yes, and... And maybe some some bathing suits and some <laughs> towels and handbags and wallets. I love it. Yeah, I would love it. That would be cool. It's going to be our gear section. We're going to add to it as we go, and we're going to have some great options for you really soon, especially in time for Lumos. We know a lot of you have been asking because you want to wear your shirts at Lumos. <clears throat> and, hey, we want you to wear your shirts at Lumos, too. Right. So, yes. Yeah. All right, guys. You guys are just full of energy well, this morning. Jeez. Well, hell, you wake me up, and you call and be like, hey, let's record. Okay. I'm like, it's 11.30. You should be it. awake. It's a Saturday. Yeah, we have Which a meeting in a half hour. Last night was a Friday. John. <laughs> John went out last night for the first time in like months. Shut up. I go out all the time. Okay. Can we get yeah, to so the There's news, quite please? a bit of news. We do actually, um, speaking of Lumos and events coming up, Joe is coming to New York shortly after Lumos in August. Yes. Really? Yeah, I know. Shocking, isn't it? We, that little minor thing. Oh. Man, all of a sudden I'm very busy. I gotta oh, yeah. go. Okay. <laughs> and and now we have learned that she's going to be holding a press conference the day yes. that ten in the morning before her first reading, which is just, I mean, the excitement just continues. It's incredible. Can you imagine the questions? Whew. Just. I wonder if the Staten Island Advance will get a press pass. We will be there. That's a fair point, actually. <laughs> That is a good idea, John. Are you serious? Because that was the first thing I thought when I, I saw that article. I did not think of that. <laughs> I should apply from the Staten Island advance so that other two other leaky people can go. Well, I want to go. Exactly. That's hilarious. But it's going to be, that's just fantastic to Joe. I mean, so she's going to be pretty visible while she's in town. And I'm just like, okay, Melissa, the plan is to get her to go have coffee and go shoe shopping then afterwards. It's- Oh, yeah. Dude, she is invited to anything she wants, show. but I'm, I'm gonna I don't think we're going to see her. What? What do you think? I'm going to take her to Mamma Mia. Because <laughs> everybody loves when I take them to Mamma Mia. Everybody does love when you take them to Mamma Mia. Yeah. I would never make fun of you for that. Uh-huh. Not even once. Not even on the show. <laughs> not even once. Not even well, on Well, we show. don't know quite what she's going to be reading in New York, but we did find out that she's going to be reading from Haplet Prince at the, her appearance at the Queen's birthday party in, in June. Like, oh. Yeah. Like we said, not from book no, seven. No, not at all. So. Right. Nope. Because it's not done yet. It's not done yet. She would never read from something that's not done. Exactly. The newspaper made that assumption when, when it first came out and sent everybody into a tizzy, but it just didn't, it just didn't feel Right. Right. So yeah. we checked it out, and they said, and they said, no, no, definitely not, I mean, definitely not book seven. I, for one, am happy enough that she was going to be giving us a title at the event. Stop that! What? what? That's not true. Really? No, that's yeah. not true. And all this uh, stuff about a title, she, I mean, she is no, she has not said anything recently that insists that she that says that she's any closer to a title than she did in November when she told a Tatler right. reporter 
that she had almost slipped with the title. Clearly, there's a title right. since November. Right. So there's really no, there's no, there's no news. You know, there's no news right. here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We'll find out when we find out. It'll be fun, though. And it will be marvelous. It will. Well, you know, and. Speaking of other news, we did have great news that Arthur Weasley's car has been found. I was happy about that. Oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. You know, Aww. I mean, who would, who would actually go about trying to steal that thing? I mean, the car, there's no engine in it, you know? So they had to tow this That's thing. Probably, they probably realized, wait a second, <laughs> we can't sell this because nobody, because it's, it's you know, highly recognizable. We can't use it because it's a prop. Right. What are we going to do with this? No. I'd put it in my basement, man. That'd be cool. Put it in your... You... <laughs> then I'm giving people ideas. That, no, they they actually tied a rope to it and dragged it onto a trailer. Yeah. That's how they stole it. I read the article. Yeah. I just, you know... And then it turned up in front of a castle of all places, which I thought was pretty amusing. You yeah. Know? That's we funny. We don't even know where the real Arthur Weasley car is from the books. It's in the it's jungle. Out. We're going to see it forest. again. We're going to see yeah, it again. Yeah, that's one of ours. Forbidden jungle. What did she yes, say? Yes, she did. That? Yes, she did. Yeah. Oh. And we've is only it got fight, one book. Like, it's going to put its battle gear on, put war paint yeah. on. It does have war paint from the jungle. It's got all streaks of camouflage from the I wonder from if, the I wonder green. If Rob has it. We know he's out there. Uh, Rob. <laughs> Okay, what else? Well, what else? What well, else? There was a rumor, though. Now, you know, it's it's filming time for Phoenix. And, if, you know, I'm just surprised we hadn't heard this stuff earlier, but we had a rumor of them filming for uh, down by Tower Bridge along the Thames River. Did I say that right? In London. Thames. Thames. Sorry. Oh, God, I've just offended England. People <laughs> everywhere. Well, one of us is right. One well, of us I'm, is wrong. I'm probably, probably wrong. So is Botch I'm probably but, wrong. So. Um, that they're filming down there. Thumbs up. Um, but David Yates did say, like last year, that they were he wanted to do a big wizard chase past the London Limits. Yeah, so that makes sense when they're when they're flying to Grimmauld Place mm-hmm. or the Thestral scene mm-hmm. when they're flying toward the Ministry. Yeah. That would be really exciting to see London rushing by them. You know, finally take finally take it so far out of the Scotland yeah. It'd be so area. Cool. Yeah. Let's well, see. Chase is an interesting word. That means someone's going to be chasing them. Well. Well, he might have just meant chasing in the sense that when you're filming, that's the same kind of techniques. You need that, that kind of rushing, right. fast movement kind of thing, which is what, well, what happens in the book. I don't know about a chase. What, do you, what, what would you guys think if they added, like, Death Eaters that, like, found them halfway on the trip to Grimmauld Place and they chased them and then, like, well, they escaped. It's Clovis. That one, Probably. Would, or No, it's not Clovis. It's Michael Goldenberg. It's, it's Goldenberg. Oh. Well, I don't think that they would. I don't know. They might. If that's a way to make it more exciting, hey, it's a movie. Yeah, it's got to. It has to, you know, fulfill the demands of its of its what if, genre. What if Umbridge was one of oh, the best? That would be the funniest thing. <laughs> she have a, in the a world. little pink broom. A big massive thing on a yeah. broom. On her pink her broom. Pink broom. There she yeah. goes. Oh gosh. All right. Is there anything more important well, to talk I'm, about, or do we go on to the show? Because we yes, got a long we do show. have a lunch show, so that's good. We'll go right into the highlights, so you can be reminded of. Why you love Pottercast. When we used to be funny and entertaining. And then then John had Back to start recording early in the morning and he lost all his mojo. God, this. So, okay. so listen to that. And then we have the modcast. And then we have... Um, Mailbag. Mailbag. And then we have... No, then we have Ken and oh, Conundrums. That's right, yeah. Ken and And then Mailbag. I'm very confused. And next week, we will have the return of special guests on the show. We're going to be recording with the Remus Lupins. So cool. Ooh. I love that name. The band, the Remus, Remus Lupins. The Lupins. So I got to tell you, I, down, I, I not downloaded, they sent me their CD. 
and I'm I'm really enjoying it. It made it to my iPod, which is something that doesn't happen to 90% of the music I, I get because I don't, you know, have the time to do the shifting. But it's a lot of fun. And the guy, Alexander, from, from the band is going to come on and play a song with us. And we're going to talk to him. Cool. It's all leading into our last 10 weeks before Lumos, which is when we'll be, we're trying to anyway, feature something from Lumos every week. That'll, that'll be fun. Nice. Whether a presenter, an author, a fan, a you know, a, a band, yeah. we're gonna try and feature something cool from Lumos every a week, so that walker. those who can't no. go get some sort of appreciation <laughs> of what's there. And I'm just gonna ignore I'm what not. John just said. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I laughed. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Let's go do it. All right. Bye bye. And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's Modcast. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's Modcast. My name's Laurie Damaral. Um, on the Leaky Lounge forums you might know me as Asphodel Wormwood. And with me today I have... Julia Ross on the Leaky Lounge forums known as Naria. And this is Jason, known as the Guru of Sloth on the forums. Today we're going to talk about the Phoenix Song. Well, should we start with Fawkes' first appearance? Sure. Well, his first appearance with his song, which right. is in the Chamber of Secrets at the end. Well, without Fawkes' appearance, Harry would have been fighting a losing battle. It Very was only so. when Fawkes came and his song, not only his song, obviously the sword came in the hat, but the song inspired in Harry courage because right. Harry was pure of heart. And in the young Tom Riddle, it inspired, um, you know, weakness and fear because he was of impure heart. And that basically is what part of the magic of Phoenix song. He was kind of at that point, he was pretty much accepting his fate almost like there's nothing I can do here. I don't, you know, I'm fighting a losing battle. And he hears the song and it just kind of bucks him up. And of course, like you say, Fox brought him weapons, quote unquote, to use as well. Well, I guess one really was a weapon. Yeah, <laughs> um, bought him tools to use, and uh, is it just symbolic? I think it was something more. It really did have this magical property. You can actually hear the song. It comes from somewhere. We're told, and then we're told the music grows louder. It was eerie, spine tingling, and unearthly. So there's mm. a kind of weird feel to it, but not a scary thing at all. Not to Harry, and that's quite interesting too. And it's there's always this question of like, is the is the Phoenix song. Is it communicating something to you? Is it changing your mood? Or is it like grabbing onto what's already there inside you and kind of enhancing that somehow? You know, I think you know. it grabs onto what's there already. Yeah. yeah. Because obviously, I mean, if you're impure of heart, that's sort of like a negative thing. And the song sort of not enhances, but sort of um, exacerbates the negative thing to make you fearful. And the exact opposite happens if you're like a good person. So I think it is sort of something that grows something within you. Um, so when do we next? Here, right. we see him sort of every now and then. But when is his song next? It's Goblet of Fire, isn't it? I think so. Um, yeah. When they're when it's um and there it's not and cantatum. Right, and and so Fox isn't even really there except for two of his feathers, I guess. Um, yeah. That's that's when you know the big duel when Voldemort has returned. Uh, the bad guy returned and uh Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there one day, Jason. One day you'll learn. You'll find That's your right. true path. I'll get crucioed enough. Yep. Um <laughs> Their wands met and they both have 
both of their wand cores have one of Fox's feathers in them, which we learn later, causes that special magic of the Priori Incantatum. Um, but while it's happening, while they're kind of battling to see who will overpower the other, Harry hears the Phoenix song again, and he recognizes it, and it really uh, bucks him up. It's an unearthly and beautiful sound. That's what we're told. It was coming from every thread of the light-spun web vibrating around Harry and Voldemort. It was a sound Harry recognized, though he had heard it only once before in his life. Phoenix song. So he actually tells us what it is. Right. And he goes on to say it's the hound that sound of hope to him. So it's odd that she's used the word unearthly again. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that just her way, like, kind of the word she likes to use to describe it? Or should we kind could of be, but... deconstruct the word to see, like, what it could mean? I was just thinking it's something that's almost beyond human comprehension in a way mm-hmm. because it's yeah. it's so ethereal, unearthly. You can't control it. I mean, a phoenix will act upon its own volition. Right. It won't do anything because it's told to. It helped Harry that's purely a, yeah. because Harry was loyal to Dumbledore. A, a little bit more with the Scabbard of Fire bit. Um, the narration says, um, he felt as though the song were inside him instead of just around him. It was the sound he connected with Dumbledore, and it was almost as though a friend were speaking in his ear. It's quite a strange thing, you know, Fox isn't controlled by anyone, even though he is Dumbledore's pet, and Harry is, what, 14 in this book, really young, mm. and yet already Fox is calling to him somehow, somewhere, when he senses that Harry is in great trouble, even though he's far right. away, and for such a young wizard, that's amazing to have that kind of you know, power coming from another much greater, much nobler wizard at that time. Yeah. And it's even in Chamber of Secrets, uh, you know, Fox was kind of summoned, you know, and Harry wasn't even deliberately doing it. Um, but Fox, you know, whatever you want to say, like telepathically or magically sensed someone who was, who meant that much and who was that loyal to Dumbledore was in trouble and he knew he had to go help him. So should we move on to the next, uh, the next mention and it's not even, uh, in Order of the Phoenix, Fox isn't even there, but um, the Phoenix song is mentioned in reference to Dumbledore. This is when um, uh, when Harry is standing before the ministry hearing for whether he's going to be booted out of Hogwarts, etc. And then Dumbledore arrives, kind of, you know, the hero is stri- striding in to, uh, to save the day. And it says, a powerful emotion had risen in Harry's chest at the sight of Dumbledore. A fortified, hopeful feeling, rather like that which the Phoenix song gave him. We know what the effects of Phoenix song are from Harry's point mm-hmm. of view from that. You know, sort of like ethereal supporting magic. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more confused I get. <laughs> because it's just like, the sort of magic I think of it is like um, Lily's sacrifice. Right. And that was love and loyalty to her child that, you know, saved him. It's also extraordinary. It's something right out there. That's it's not something you can conjure up just by any old magic spell. It's just something completely different. Right. I think of it like it's maybe another one of those things that would be kind of in the old magic category, like that. That you know, sort of what you were alluding to much earlier, Jules, like that. That Tom Riddle, or you know, later, um, you know, who. Uh, would not you know he might be aware of, but he kind of doesn't pay attention to. It's not really in his realm. Too benevolent. Yeah, it's like it's not something that he really can see himself being able to use, so he kind of ignores it. Like it's not a a magic of that like grasps for power. It's more like you know, it's it more on happens. emotions. It's more on you know helping people. We see a different sort of 
Phoenix song, at least it seems different to me that maybe the intent anyway, um, in Half Blood Prince, you know, it's a much more somber moment. It is. It's beyond, it's, you know, a lot of the times that we've seen the Phoenix song coming in at like these critical moments and sort of turning the tide here, the critical moment is past. People are feeling down and kind of like they've been knocked to the ground and here comes the Phoenix lament. It's like Fawkes has lost his master, the one, you know, he's so, Fawkes was so loyal to Dumbledore right. that he would help others who were loyal to Dumbledore. And now Dumbledore's gone. And so Fawkes is just going round and round and round singing. But because of the effects of his song, there's all those really good people, all the members of the Order in the school. And whether they know it or not, they are probably being lifted up and being, you know, Harry was able to go on. You know, he didn't just like give up and want to mope around. He's like, no, Dumbledore's gone. Yes, that hurts. Yes, but I'm going to keep going and I'm going to get rid of the Dark Lord. And I do think that Fawkes, you know, his song had an impact on everyone like that. Especially Absolutely. so to Harry, because we get this quote later on, Dumbledore's man through and through, and that really is it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And again, uh, part of the quote, it says, Harry felt as he had felt, felt about the Phoenix song before, that the music was inside him, not without. It was his own grief turned magically to song that echoed across the grounds and through the castle windows. It's this kind of thing that it's like it's outside and it's inside the person at the same time. And it's... It's everywhere. Yeah. And it just kind of helps them heal in a way. Or, you know, obviously it's not going to keep them from grieving, but it helps them to be able to cope with it and to move on. And Yeah, to think to the future and not to just dwell on what's gone. Right. What's past, because that would do no good. So before we go do you guys have any ideas of whether uh we might hear the phoenix song again in book seven probably i think harry's gonna have a few low points in his quest for destroying the horcruxes mm. and you know he's probably gonna come into some not so nice encounters and he's gonna need some pickup so i think it would be nice to see fox again at least yeah i think Ooh. fox will definitely return i i, I can't see I can't see Fox not returning in a way because Harry was so intensely loyal to Dumbledore and Fox knows that. And I just can't see Fox not coming back in some way to help Harry in book seven. But I do agree with you, Laurie. I think Harry will go through some very dark times. And if he hears the Phoenix song at all, then we know that it's a sign of hope to him and that might help him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a great note to, to wrap up. So I will say goodbye. And I will also say au revoir. <laughs> Goodbye till next time. All right. Thanks for listening. Bellatrix Lestrange views herself as Lord Voldemort's most trusted Death Eater. She thinks she's, you know, the top and possibly thinks of herself as a lover of his. But really, he doesn't care hardly anything about her, if anything at all. I don't think he really does. And I think she's got almost no purpose left. She's just dreaming. I think that Bellatrix is helping Voldemort basically with all of the black family of what the Horcrux may be. Who knows? Trying to find the locket or protect it. Um, and then also just with the secrets of it because all the purebloods that go down the line or... Uh, as a joke, she'd be his mistress. <laughs> um, but no, there's something up because she's extremely jealous or, you know, very suspicious of Snape, as we know.
Belchick's Lestrange's relationship with Hugh must not be named. She knows how isolated the Dark Lord is. She is indeed his most loyal and devoted follower, having far outstripped Lucius Malfoy as the penultimate baddie. Yet Voldemort clearly withheld information about his blood status and Trelawney's prophecy from her. Shippers would like to cook up some sort of romance between the two based on the pet name Bella, making her Ava Braun to Voldemort's Hitler. But it's clear that Voldemort holds the Lestrange at arm's length, as we learned from Snape at Spinner's End. And rightly so. Bellatrix is the embodiment of an outmoded ideology based in prejudice, a powerfully magical individual, and an adept warrior. This makes her an ideal Death Eater. However, she's also a deliciously insane, unpredictable sadist. I think Beatrix is crazy about Voldemort because she is Voldemort's fangirl. I don't think it has any big relation to the plot. I don't think. As far as Bellatrix the Strange goes, I think that she's just really loyal to Voldemort and she raises that whole pure blood mentality and she doesn't know any other way of thinking. And as far as the main story, um, I think Harry's probably going to come across her again, and I hope him and Neville have at least some part in playing her demise, because I really think that she should die. And here we are with Canon Conundrums number five. Mm, yay! Five! How's it going, everybody? Hey, y'all, everybody. Well, who's that uh, NPR voice over there right here? Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Steve Van Derk of the Harry Potter. Hey, cool! Account. I hear about that site. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Not too shabby. Who else is here? Oh, I'm here. Our friends, hello, Melissa and Sue from the mm-hmm. other segments. You may remember them from two minutes ago, <laughs> like three seconds ago. Oh, well, no, because actually the mailbag, uh, the modcast comes first. The modcast. That's right. So, just in case your memory is fading, I'm Melissa. Well, what's the big topic about this week? What? In, I don't know. If everybody wasn't listening to the fan response voicemails a few minutes ago. I think it's all about Bellatrix, Evil isn't winch. it? Bellatrix. Bellatrix is strange. Bellatrix or Bellatrix? Bag- oh, John. Now that the Horcrux Cree thing is gone, you're just <laughs> desperately looking he's, for something else to miss for now. He's grabbing, Steve. He's grabbing. Sure. All right, guys. So, let's get into it about Bellatrix. Who wants to give Bellatrix? us a rundown about what we know? How about our lexicon yeah. guy? But what we know about Bellatrix. Oh, my goodness. Um... Well, she's a uh, um, cousin of Sirius Black. She got booted booted into Azkaban for after the fall of Voldemort. She was uh, she and her husband and uh, Barty Crouch Jr. were trying to find the whereabouts of Voldemort, so they went and tortured the Longbottoms and, into insanity in order to. Uh, and then they put a memory in order to try to find out. I knew you were going to say that. Interesting. Because, did you ever wonder why in the world did they assume that the Longbottoms ah. would know where Voldemort? Yeah, that's was? a big question for me. Isn't that I, I weird? A... I mean, you know, just let's just pick an aura well, out of the see, bunch and beat him up. Goes, I think I, I don't know. Maybe they thought that Voldemort was going to go after Neville. Instead of Harry, and the, and therefore they thought they were the last pe- people to see Voldemort so before you're he assuming, disappeared. You're assuming that they all knew about the whole prophecy thing. I got no idea. Maybe they just all had the idea mm. that he was going after the Longbottoms. I, well, maybe Voldemort mm-hmm. talked about that he was going after the Longbottoms and the Potters, but just didn't tell him why. Yeah, uh-huh. and so they they figured so since the Potters were gone, they thought eh, Longbottoms mm-hmm. are next. Well, yeah, but we really don't know how long it was after. Uh, you know the the death of the Potters. We really don't no. know exactly how long it was that the, it had to have been. That the, it had to have been long <laughs> enough for Snape to convince Dumbledore that he's good. Right. I'd say within a year. Yeah. Probably. I'd have to. I'd have to go back and check the timeline to see if we have any more hints on that. But. Yeah. 
But um, so then, of course, the whole thing is now, who is she now? You know, well, the question, the relationship with Voldemort, right? the conundrum is what what is she seems to be somebody more important to Voldemort than than his other followers. There's a lot of evidence on Mm -hmm. that. So Mm -hmm. what what's what's her deal, for lack of a better way to put it? Right. But then and then what happened was was the battle in the atrium because she lost the prophecy, whatever. Something happened where I, you get the sense at the beginning of Half-Blood Prince and Spinner's End, you get the sense that she lost favor somehow, that she's saying, she's trying to say, right. well, the, the Dark Lord still trusts me and everything, and Snape just sort well, of sneers well, actually, at her. Then, and, and, don't you think it's strange yeah. how the rest of them are all in jail and Azkaban, and she's still out, so maybe... Mm-hmm. Well, the rest of them, the ones who broke out, didn't get put back in. Right, but Lucius Lucius was the one that that Voldemort was blaming for... Yeah, everybody that got captured in the Department of Mysteries. Well, that's because Voldemort grabbed her before he left. He specifically went Mm -hmm. and grabbed her, which was a big, big red flag to me. Yeah. Well, no way. Mm -hmm. Well, she was the only one there. He might have grabbed everybody else, too, if they weren't down in the death chamber with an anti-apparition jinx around them. I don't know. Voldemort doesn't seem the kind to, you know not leave a man behind he's sort of the get out of dodge guy no you know i'm trying to figure out that i'm trying to get through the double negatives in that sentence to try to figure out what exactly well you're you know what i'm are saying are you saying are you saying that that he would he wouldn't mind leaving a man behind yeah he would he would right get out of the way he would save it himself well yeah remember what lucius said in the department of mysteries battle he said oh just leave not his injuries mean nothing to the dark lord or something like that so yeah he's definitely well, a, leave a man behind is, which is in this in the spinner's end chapter here's something that's really really interesting to me about bellatrix but what use have you been sneered bellatrix what useful information my information has been conveyed directly to the dark lord said snape if he chooses not to share with you he shares everything with me said bellatrix firing up at once he calls me his most loyal his most faithful does he said snape his voice a little Blah, 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 blah. That was not my fault, mm-hmm. said Bellatrix, flushing. The Dark Lord has in the past entrusted me with his most precious, and then she breaks herself off, if Lucius hadn't. So, okay, entrusted him with his mm-hmm. most precious, and then she breaks herself off, which is classic JKRQ for mm-hmm. we're hiding something. Mm-hmm. What? His most precious? Does she know about the Horcruxes? I think so, Horcruxes? and I think she also knew about the prophecy, which is why she went looking for the Longbottoms. I think she does. But all Maybe she is a horcrux. Well, you know, there, yeah. there's that too. No, seriously. Well, he trusted her with the most precious. Nah. Trusted me with his most. I mean, I, a big bunch of Death Eaters knew about the prophecy. I mean, they clearly they had a band of Death Eaters down there who who knew right. about it. So how does she count herself more special for knowing about something? What's more special than that? I, and then it, it one. Then you wonder if she knows about the prophecy. If she, I mean, about a horcrux. If she is a horcrux. You think she's a horcrux? Well, she would kill. She would die for him. I, I would think there's. She at least assumes that there's some sort of personal relationship with her and and Voldemort. I mean, just by the way she's talking, she's she would yeah. like to think so. I don't know that he thinks so. Especially if you go back and listen to some of the things Dumbledore said about about how he doesn't have any friends, doesn't get close to anyone. It's almost like at one point doesn't doesn't Dumbledore say something like the school is almost more of a friend to him. So I can't imagine that he's that he feels anything really for her, but I think she thinks it. If he, if he grabs her on the way out of a very dangerous situation, she's got something valuable of his. She either knows something, he needs her. And even mm-hmm. after even though she's clearly lost favor because Snape, I mean I think it's pretty laid out that she has lost some favor mm-hmm. with him. It's it mm-hmm. feels to me like Voldemort even though he's he's dropped her from quote unquote favor can't drop her completely because she has well, something important. Be, well, no, let's not. Let's not. Go ahead. 
Let's not pretend that there's some kind of Indiana Jones-style rescue of Voldemort swooping over and taking her. There could very well be something to do with their dark marks that allows him to just take the Death Eaters with him if he needs wow. to make an escape. Hey, guys, where, where do we find out that that Harry, that Voldemort took Bellatrix? Because it's, it, we don't actually see it occur. I'm looking at the text no, right we now. No, we don't. She's just gone. And I have a feeling that... If anybody else wasn't stuck up with an anti-apparition jinx, then they'd have disappeared, too. So do you think he didn't take no, her? Yeah. Do you think that she just... After? He did. It's somebody says I that so. afterwards. They say, look, at he grabbed that woman and yeah. took off. Page 720 of the British edition. He was there, shouted a scarlet-robed man with a ponytail who was pointing at a pile of golden rubble on the other side of the hall where Bellatrix had lain trapped only moments before. I saw him, Mr. Fudge. I swear it was you-know-who. He grabbed a woman and disapparated. See, he grabbed her. He oh, grabbed her. Says it right there. Cool. He grabbed her. Negative one so, points for me. Where was Narcissa the rest, or Bellatrix, the rest of the book in Haploid Prince after the Unbreakable Vow? Where Where did she go? Where was Voldemort? Yeah. Well, yeah. We don't know where they hang yeah. out. We, I think we're going to find out. I think they go to Sandals. And I'm sure, you know, I mean, they probably have an, uh, you know, a secret keeper for their little headquarters, too. And You know, I mean, they all live in they, Sandals. You know, I, I just never thought find it was out, very curious so. that, that she was not part of that battle in the ministry or in, in, in Hogwarts at the end. Yeah. I battle just thought tower? if he really, yeah. really wanted them. See, we at the Lexicon have actually assigned names to these okay. things. That's the Battle of the Tower. Battle of the Tower. So, but yeah, I don't know where where are they all during, and not just not just Half Blood Prince, but during um, uh, uh, Order of the Phoenix as well. Where are they hanging out? All these Death Eaters. Yeah. I mean, do they have some sort of? They're not in Little Hangleton. Hopefully, they're not all hanging around in the in they're the Riddle House. All the Nocturnal that's where they <laughs> <Yeah>. all hang out. Bergen and Burks. Yeah. They're just kind of sitting there like, now what do you want to do? I don't know. All you got to do is bomb that place off the face of the yeah. earth and everything's exactly. fine. Exactly. <laughs> they're all they're all playing, yeah. you know, go, go fish. Go to the American um, <laughs> ministry and borrow a nuke. Can we, can we go kill someone now, Mr. Voldemort? No, no. We're trying to hide out. <laughs> all right. I broke out of Azkaban oh, for this. <laughs> so, Bellatrix. Bellatrix. Oh, yeah. He's, sorry. He grabbed she's her. She's got something... Do I think she's good she looking? She probably was. She, according to canon, yeah. she used mm. to be, but she has a, a kind of a drawn, gaunt. You know, would be a great actress really, for her. Really, really, really good fan art on the lexicon. I think Elizabeth Hurley is. A no. Doc, uh, <laughs> I've never thought of that. I don't before. think anybody has personally. Mm. Bellatrix, Bellatrix, Bellatrix. Bellatrix. So, we have set up this incredibly nasty character, and I absolutely love the scene in Spinner's mm-hmm. End. I just thought oh, it was magnificently yeah. done. And and to to it put Snape in this whole new light. I mean, we all wondered what his... Play, for, I mean, for a while, I was thinking that Snape was, was really Avery, because Avery keeps taking the hits and getting sending Voldemort in the wrong directions all the time, and then getting beat up for it. And I thought, well, maybe Snape is, is like taking Polyjuice Potion and pretending to be Avery and intentionally messing up Voldemort's plans. Well, of course, that was, you know, probably not. But this whole scene in Spinner's End is wonderful. So you've got Bellatrix, this amazingly wonderful, horrible, evil character who, who, will, who will attack Neville. Oh, I just mm-hmm. wanted to kill her at that point. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. where does she go? Where, where, where do we go with her? What if she alone can tell? Where because there's this whole there's this whole loophole about well, you know. Well, then I'm looking Melissa forward to Harry beating the snot out of her until she does. Well, she'll, she'll, she'll die first. I think that that's... Voldemort does not know how to do the, the Fidelius mm-hmm. charm. If you wish, 
Because if he does know how to do that charm, then the horcruxes would be impossible to find. Well, that's, that's the true. thing. There's this there's oh, this dear. loophole that we were talking about once that said, you know, why doesn't he just find a stooge, make them a seeker keeper, kill the stooge? Nobody can ever know. You, you totally know Jake. Uh, Joe, J.K. Joe is going to be like, um, you to do the Fidelis charm, you need to have love in your soul. So Voldemort <laughs> doesn't know how to do it. Well, I would think there has to be some sort of wish to do it on the part of the person who's doing it, which yeah, means like that maybe Bellatrix is the only person who's willing May, to do yeah, it. Yeah, Bellatrix. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. On that note. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, that was some yeah. pretty good Bellatrix she's, talk. So what's our conclusion so. about Bellatrix? What role first? will she have to play in number first? seven? John goes first. John hates going first. I'll okay. go first. I think Bellatrix is is too developed of a character with too many hidden things about her and hints about her to just sort of fade into the woodwork. So I think she's going to be in some way important in book seven. More than just sort of as window dressing for a battle or something. I think she's going to turn out to be, well, I don't know. The whole Horcrux thing is possible, whether she's uh, uh, the key to where they're hidden or who knows what. But I think she's going to turn out to be a very important part of the last book. I think that Bellatrix is is not a Horcrux, but I think she is his most trusted and valued aide, more than perhaps Snape. Um, I think she knew a lot, but I don't. She, I, I think that idea of that her being a seeker keeper is really good, but I don't know that she's actually a Horcrux. And whatever the outcome, she must die a slow, painful, torturous death, and that will make me very happy. <laughs> yeah, it's my vote. Um, I'm I'm gonna say that she has some use to Voldemort, which means he can't totally disregard her, and that she is desperate. To claw her way back into his good graces. Desperate. Mm-hmm. And so that that's going to come into play. She's going to try and be mm-hmm. his everything and be totally, you know, either and to, either totally fail at it and provide the key or just or, or be such a huge obstacle for Harry that it's, you know, that she becomes a huge part of the book. And Big J? Big J. We're waiting for John. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think... Belichick is probably the only one at Death Eater headquarters who knows how to cook. So her value <laughs> Oh my tenfold. god. She's the Molly Weasley no. of the Death Eater. Could eight. you imagine <laughs> the dishes? They just That'd throw them on the ground, break them, and then that's a... Dishware. Yeah. That one's dirty. Maggots yeah. and shards of glass Bombarda. for dinner. <laughs> no, Expelliarmus dirty dishes. Uh, yeah. I like Bombarda okay. better. Um, Bombarda. But no, I think that's the blow stuff up spell. I think Neville is gonna uh, be her downfall in one way or another, and that would be I great. That well, what's her importance? Her importance. I think I think she's going to be in all the same battles that that Voldemort's going to be fighting, or Voldemort is going to put her on submissions or something. To I, no, no, no. I'm gonna change, change my mind. Change my mind. I think they're going to encounter her along the way, looking for the Horcruxes, and um, she's going to be like one of the, like the little like sub bosses that they have to defeat along the way, like a video game. She's, oh, she's, she's like, like the 10. Mini Koopa. She's like a Mini Koopa. Oh, there you Very go. Very good, Melissa. Yep. Ta-da. Okay, freaky. Yeah. Bye. Time for the bye. Mailbag. It's like a half hour. See Goodbye. All right. So remember, next time on Canon Conundrums, we're going to be talking about. The veil, the mysterious veil down in the depths of the uh, of the Department of Mysteries. And the question we have is, what's with those voices? 
What is it that uh, that we're hearing when we hear those voices? Uh, uh, Harry hears them. Luna hears them. So uh, tell us what you think. What do you think those voices are? And uh, we'll talk about that next time. Enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all love the mailbag. Are you kidding me? Who Chris doesn't love a mailbag? And we got Big K, Special K. Hey, everyone. Special K. I know they've just been waiting in the house. Return. Kristen's named after a serial now. I we am. were counting down the days, Special K. I feel loved. You are the mailbag sweetheart. Well, are yes. you guys ready? Yes. We got some good ones, I, I think. We got good voicemails since when? <laughs> Since Dewey started doing all this stuff for us, Dewey is the bomb. That's what I say to Dewey. Dewey is our mailbag editor. Hello, Dewey. He does. He he grabs the voicemails out of the Skype and everywhere else, and then makes them for the fan responses, for the canon conundrums, and takes the other ones of the people who don't take direction and didn't leave voicemails about the canon conundrums topic, <laughs> and puts them into this big folder that we tr- get to on days like this. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. It cuts so many hours yes, out of our. Everything. Okay, so first voicemail. Hey, podcast. This is Ali from New Zealand. Um, I have a question for you. Um, I was rereading the Philosopher's Stone the other day, and in the chapter that's um, called um, "The Mirror of Erised," um, Dumbledore says to Harry that he doesn't need an invisibility cloak to be invisible. I was wondering if you think Dumbledore was keeping a closer eye on Harry than we first thought. And if this will be relevant later on when Harry inherits some of the things Dumbledore made. All right, well, that got cut off a little bit at the end, but I think we got the gist of her question. Oh, man. You know, that's a, that's a canon conundrum spot. Yeah. Topic, actually. <laughs> Why, that's a canon conundrum. It is. Because he said he doesn't, he doesn't need an invisibility cloak. And I always found that, does that have to do with his silvery beard? Does he have some of that unicorn kind of in with him? I don't know what, but. That's always really interesting. You know, hmm. that's almost something I think you'd have to reread the book with that in mind, like looking for that. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about that before, but that's a good question. I don't. I always thought, I don't think I'm right anymore, but I used to think that um, when Harry first gets the, the chocolate frog mm-hmm. card, mm-hmm. that because the, the portraits can talk to each other, when Dumbledore sees Harry, he might, you know scurry off to go inform people that Harry's got his wizard frog card or, you know, or whatever. I always thought that maybe the cards, you could also talk to each other through them. But you said you don't think that anymore? No, I don't know why. I just sort of yeah. stopped. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> You've it's I think it's like such a, it's such a teeny theory to be wrapped into this big giant, that if she takes time to explain something like that in book seven, I might be, you know. You know, I've, I've always heard this know. theory that, that, uh, Dumbledore was an animagus, and he was a little bee, and he was zooming around the castle. That's how he kept his eye, and he knows what's going on. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but he—that would make yeah. sense. Well, that's. Didn't she say that she's not going to tell us what his animagus was? Hmm. Wasn't she, that one of those she, questions like the? It was the Bogart, the Patronus, no, and Bogart the and Patronus. Just Bogart and Patronus, and what he might have seen in the mirror. That's it. No, if if he's an animagus, she hasn't addressed it yet. You know, what I think about that mirror. I think that mirror has the same spell on it, like Sirius's mirrors, and that Dumbledore was sitting there with a the little compact, watching who came in front of that mirror the whole time. 
He's got his little clinic. Possible. He's got his little clinic bonus mirror. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he needs. And and you know, no one would even second guess Dumbledore. You'd be like, well, he's a powerful wizard, I guess. You know, maybe that's just he thing. needs makeup. Yeah. You know, yep, he you needs know, makeup. He's got old skin. Maybe we should all get some makeup. <laughs> you, you see everybody out buying compacts after I'm that. Sure. Do you Cornelius have Fudge I have makeup. He buys a whole crate full. That's why. That's where Lockhart can come in. You know, he could help him with that. That would be good. Yes. You know, oh. Lockhart. He's the key to everything. That's it. That's it. <laughs> The Lockhart theory. <laughs> I like it. I like On it. On that note. Hey, guys. Um, I'm Neil from near Edinburgh, and I've been listening to the show since the first episode, and I think you guys are doing a great job. Um, my thought is this, that since the end of my second reading of book six, I've been wondering who would take over the order now that Dumbledore is gone. I'm certain it's going to be Harry. Uh, I think the order at the beginning of the book seven will be run by McGonagall, but they'll be shell shots, have no direction, and they'll just be reacting to things. I think we'll see later on in the book that Harry will take over the order, give them a purpose, and use them to help defeat, defeat the Death Eaters before he takes on Voldemort. I think that's because he learnt some major leadership skills in books five and six. He's the only one that knows about the Horcruxes, and also he's the only one that's ever faced Dumble- uh, Voldemort. Sorry. Um, anyway, I was wondering what you guys think. Thanks. I think Dick Cheney's going to step in. No, okay. I actually was watching a documentary today with him on it when he was like 25. He looks just the same. It was kind of disturbing. <laughs> Um, Ooh, Dick okay. Cheney? Yes. Dick Cheney. What are we talking about today? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Melissa started it. Yeah. Um, the, I don't... <laughs> Did not. <laughs> Misdirection. Do we think Harry is going to take over the order? The way he puts it is very convincing. It is, mm-hmm. because when you first said that, I'm like, no, Harry's not going to do that. Then he's like... You know, McGonagall starts out. It's like, oh, well, that can make sense. There's no direction. Harry's already read the, already led Dumbledore's army. Yeah. I think he absolutely should if he was that kind of character. But he's not. What do you mean? He's weak. He's a leader. Are we talking yeah, about Dick Cheney I mean, or Harry here? You got Harry. all these people. Jeez. You got all these people. Who had experience with the first war and all that stuff. We know all about strategies on a grander scale. And sure, Harry's a good teacher, but a lot of the order has to do with strategy. I don't know. He's got he made some pretty bad strategic moves lately. Well, let's look at who's left to take it over. You well, know, I'd say well, Moody. Yeah. Moody and McGonagall could are both pretty pretty savvy veterans that could yeah. do I think the order won't work the same as it has in the past because Dumbledore was such a um, strong presence but I think you know if yeah. Harry's going to be off on his horcrux hunt that that he's not going to be able to you know be able to, to say okay we have to go look for you know go handle Fenrir and you know Lupin goes there maybe Lupin will be the one I don't know but I just I just don't think Harry will be the like I think no. if if the if the order is the defining body, if the order is the group that's gonna, you know, make the big crucial difference in in the final battle, then Harry will be at its head. If Harry's not at its head, then I think that the order will just be providing great yeah. backup for whatever Harry's going to be yeah. off doing. Well, no, why can't the why can't the portrait of Dumbledore be making decisions? 
They, they just take it with them to meetings and stuff. <laughs> they prop it up on well, a little chair. In the but you know, what do you think, Dumbledore? <laughs> but you know, McGonagall's yeah. in that office. She, she, if if Hogwarts does indeed open, which I think it will, that then McGonagall will be in that that office, and and if Dumbledore is there, then he can certainly advise her along with all the other ones. I mean, yeah, but what Joe said about that is that they they sort of become like parrots, like they just re- repeat phrases after a while. They're not really the real people, uh. and you can't trust a decision. To something well, like that, it's it's a memory. Well, but how mm-hmm. does Phineas go wandering it around, and how does Everest go look and see what's happening in the Ministry of Magic when when Arthur's bit? No, so maybe they, it's that they can observe, they can but do they that. can't reason. They can't like. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I so. They're not the full blooded person. They can like report and talk and stuff, but they don't. They don't have the same. I don't think functional capabilities. Mm-hmm. You don't think they as, have free will. I think that's a different question. Yeah. I think maybe within a very tight, tight confine, like within the, they can wander, say, around Hogwarts. But well, I think yeah. they can wander anywhere. I mean, I think she was sort of clear that they could wherever anywhere. there is another portrait of themselves, they yeah. can go. But I think the the question is whether we can then trust them as being a hundred percent of their former person. Like, do I trust Portrait Dumbledore with a decision as yeah. important that I would trust Dumbledore? Mm, sounds like no. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't, I don't know. But as to Harry taking over, I, I, I just, I think that I mean, ultimately, I don't think that the order is going to be such a huge presence in this book. That's, I just think like John or oh. I don't know. When you said that it would be more of a backup, maybe it was you, Melissa. I don't know. I think we're underestimating one possible candidate for this position. Oh, yeah, who? Dollish. His name would be Dollish. <laughs> John. John can't surprise me anymore. I know exactly what he's going to say. You all like, spend way too much time communicating. Yeah. Absolutely not. Way I, too much. I only talk to these people when we're recording. No, at no other point. Mm-hmm. Shall I go through my caller ID from today on my phone and my house phone? Oh, I think you show you mine. You show me yours. Okay, let's go to the next question. Yes, hi. My name is Saul Perez. I'm a devoted listener to the podcast. I'd like to ask, since in each book, Harry meets a new character, do you think in book seven that if a character is introduced that they would be in, uh, really significant to the last book? Thank you. Well, I think by, like a Luna. by that point, it, I mean, yeah, I, if she introduces, if she goes to the trouble to introduce a character in the last book, how can they not be significant? Um, she actually addressed that question at one of the press conferences over someone had asked her about a new character and she said that there's a, an a, a old member of the order that we'll get to know a little bit better or an old character we really don't know well that we'll get to know more better right. in book seven so that's that could be like Aberforth or somebody new I don't know who else but so I don't know if it'll I we're heard talking was a, totally new like meeting Luna I don't on th- the train I don't think there nowhere. will be at this point I think she has too many other threads she's got to tie up that she'll bring in somebody new I really just well, but Harry is traveling to places that we haven't even Seen there have got to be important. Not, I mean, she's going to meet a lot of people, but there's got to be a couple of important ones. I, I that think. He's come well, across, I think you know? that they'll, he'll meet somebody new in the sense that I think he's going to go back and discover more about his parents and the founders or somewhere like that. So in that sense, new. But I just don't. I just don't really see like huge major new characters like Luna. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, don't know. Mm. I heard that there's going to be another character that looks a little bit like a lion <laughs> with a big mane of hair. <laughs> oh really? Wait, wait. And spectacles. Did he, does he walk with a limp? Did we hear this? He could walk with a limp. Huh. I think that I might have heard that huh. too. John, your powers of observation are amazing. <laughs> hey. Amazing is the word. I'm a little behind, but I got there. In there the you end, did. Didn't I? 
don't know. Well, no. What do you think, Kristen? No, I'm sure there's going to be that, that token ca- I, character at the Godric's Hollow is going to be. Like, <laughs> yeah. You and me both, Kristen. Bye. What do you think, Kristen? Yeah, it's oh, I, I think she only has so much room. I mean, she. You're you're right in that. Yeah, Harry's going to go to new places, but I don't see how she could possibly get into major character development in the last book with a brand new character. Mm-hmm. I agree. I want to learn more about that werewolf guy. What Fenrir? Or, uh, oh yeah, Fenrir. Yeah. Seamus, no Fenrir, Greyback. I hope he dies. Greybeard. I hope it's Lupin that gets him. <laughs> Greybeard. Don't hide what you think, Sue. <laughs> okay, I'll be. I'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Tell us I how think, you really feel. I think Ernie McClellan is going to Ernie uh, take out um, Greyback. And why would a Hufflepuff be doing this? Why would he be doing this? Because Hufflepuffs are killers. That's right, we are, baby. <laughs> they have murder in their hearts. We're s- Did you just... I, so, of all the things in the world out of John's mouth that I expected you to agree no, with, I, I, that was not I'm kind of joking, but in so. the sense, I am joking, actually. But, um... But I, Do you think, I think H- Hufflepuff could kill anybody soon? No. Well, yeah. you know what? I yeah. could. I think if someone pushed to get, came push push came to shove or whatever the saying is, that I think that the Hufflepuffs will be there. Hufflepuffs will be solid. They're salt of the earth, man. But, but so, I don't think we're going to go out and kill. As much know? as great as Hufflepuffs are, are you going to tell me that all the houses have their good and evil part? Parts and there are no evil. Oh, Hufflepuffs. sure there are. What's that little? Of course, evil Wasn't that Zachariah Smith? Wasn't he? A, he's a weasel. Yeah. Well, he's, he's just a, a he's just yeah. an ass. Different. It's different than evil. Oh. Ernie's gonna he's gonna come downstairs and he's gonna be like, "Where's my snack packs?" I mean, like one of Voldemort's. Like, I'm eating all the snack packs, oh, and then he's gonna I'm kill sure. Him for I'm sure. I'm sure that there's an evil Hufflepuff somewhere in there. I mean, I'm. I'm I mean, one of those Death Theaters lines his robes with canary yellow. That's well, what I'm saying. sure. I mean, I think that... <laughs> Crazy. I'm sure that there is. And Ali Vons wins salad. Aww. <laughs> oh, she's so sad. <laughs> Mr. Ali Vaughn, can you make one I robe been... for Sue, Hufflepuff? Yes, thank you, John. Because I'll send you the material. I want a Hufflepuff robe. And you can't find them anywhere. It's discrimination. Hufflepuff discrimination should be against the law. Ugh. Miffed. Yeah, I think it's something about uh, supply and demand, so. Hufflepuffs will, will. Oh, I'm not even going to talk to you anymore. Oh, oh, you're so mean, John. <laughs> I love her so. Oh, funny. So cruel. You earn that green robe. Do we have any more voicemails today? I think I think this segment is complete. Is it? Yes. Yeah, it is. Good voicemails. Good stuff. Because I'm getting out of dodge. It's a good right thing now. we have 500 voicemails and we get to three each week. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get there by sometime next Tuesday, five years from now. Oh, okay, 87 years from now. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll see you at the next voicemail. Well, good having you back, Special K. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, guess what you can do? You can go to Pottercast.com. The new one. The new one. It's and you look on the little out. bottom right, and you got all the contact information for Leaky, is- but I will read them to you now. Yes. You can get us on Skype at Skype username Pottercast, or voicemail us in the U. United States at one seven zero two forty two five three two five nine, which is leaky in those cool little number to letter 
versions. In the UK, you can dial a plus and then hit 020-7193.2872. No or, dots. Or dots. If you don't have a dot, you can just keep pushing the numbers. <laughs> uh, you can email staff at podcast.com to tell us hi and, you know, what's going on. If you want to give us theories, you should voicemail them to us or record yourself and attach them to your email because we can't play your written word. We tried it. It sounds like a robot. And it stinks. <laughs> if you want to send us something to our cool little P.O. Box, P.O. Box 40559, Staten Island, New York, 10304, Attention, Big J, or the Leaky Cauldron. Depends on what you're sending. The post office people don't know Big J. It might not get there. Aw, oh, they stink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and that's See about it. Time. See you next time. Bye, y'all. Here's the mail, it never fails It makes me want to wag my tail When it comes, I want to wail Welcome, welcome Welcome to Pottercast The official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron And now, Leaky's own Melissa This is Sue Upton Then John Noe And da-da-da Huge Pottercast 40 40 no way. Yes way. Awesome. It's the big one. Oh, cool. Look at us. We're, we've done this for a little while. We, we should be good at this. That's what now. we'll tell ourselves. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what happened. But. Stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff on the way. This week in Pottercast. Okay. Yes. Let's go, guys. And enjoy the show. Forgive me for having only read the <laughs> book six once. Did we uh, hear anything about uh, uh, Miss Lovegood? Luna. Luna Longbottom. Yes, I'm brilliant mind with the potter. Live or die. Live! Live. Die. Live. Yeah, cold in a boiling shampoo. I thought he was in the fifth movie as a, as a ghost. That's in John's private movie. <laughs> Doesn't he come back as a ghost? What series of books are you reading, dude? Like, I gotta ask you. <laughs> I'm Cedric the Ghost. All your kind of conundrum responses on what is the color of Harry's eyes have to do with <laughs> I think anything. it's green. What's the deal with Harry's eyes and what and they whatever? So I think he has some eyes. <laughs> I'm not sure. Dollish. Dollish, the horror from the book five. And you have an imperious curse that clouds up your eyes so much that even the well, that was dimmest retarded. person would, would know. That How do we sort out curse. the liars? Well, gee, let me think. Have they got milk for eyeballs? Extendable ears. We call extendable ears the part where we talk to people who are actually involved and we get to listen in. Alfonso Coran, Stuart Craig, Mike Newell, Matt Lewis, Arthur Levine, Bonnie Wright. Well, no, I'm curious though about about book seven. I, what, I want what, what Chris thinks. Yeah. I think I don't think it's going to be at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, but the only thing I can't I can't work out how it's going to end, and it's really I mean I know it's like the the question like that everybody wants to know is she going to kill Harry off? Is she not? Is is you know what's going to happen at the end but I can't work it out because I can't see that he can live because how do you how do you, how does she end it you know is it going to be and they all lived happily ever after and-
When you first saw that pharaoh, what was your first? When you were um, first told that this was going to happen? Yeah, oh, when I first found out, I think I was going in one day to meet the director. He's gonna looking forward to doing a scene with me with a ferret. Told me, I was excited. It was something new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's definitely challenge. something new. <laughs> yeah, it's not something you do every day. So no. Like, yeah. So it does seem to be something you do in most of the films. They seem to have an obsession with your pants. Yeah, I know. It's something or another. <laughs> <laughs> The big decision is the changing of philosopher to sorcerers. Many people who heard the title and then read the book said, "Oh, this is really a different book than I thought it would be." While I know what a philosopher's stone is, it is possible that someone who knows philosopher's stone thinks that it's a book about philosophy. So I went back to Joe and I remember the conversation. What the title that I suggested was, "How about Harry Potter and the School of Magic?" Because mm -hmm. it seems like Hogwarts is a very important part of this, right? Especially that first year. And she thought about it. And she said, "Well, I'm not sure about that. Um, how about Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone?" And I said, "Oh, Sorcerer's Stone. Okay, that evokes magic more directly and obviously. Mm -hmm. um, why don't I take that back?" And I took that back, and everyone was like, "Oh, yes, that's great." That's great. <laughs> Hold on, I can't. Your hands all sweaty. All sweaty. All sweaty. Was a random line to put into a movie. They're sharing the same blood now. One can't live. No, they're not sharing the same blood. Harry doesn't have Voldemort's blood. Voldemort has Harry's blood. Exactly. Yeah, that doesn't mean Harry has his. Okay, Let, wait. Let's call Harry's blood Mr. Blood, okay? <laughs> Harry's blood is, is Mr. Blood, and Voldemort has Mr. Blood. They both have Mr. Blood. Voldemort existed with his own blood before Harry's was added to his. No, you can't have two different bloods. It, could be like, it can mix and make a super blood. I don't know. <laughs> if you're not making cocktails. If you've got all the traits of the four houses, you've got intelligence, bravery, cunning, loyalty, you've got... And Doris, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Yes, she's going to say really it. Yes. She's going to say it. I'm going to say the L. You're going to say the L. You haven't got pure love. Yay. Well, and you know, didn't didn't Dumbledore say, tell Harry that the thing that he had that um, Voldemort didn't have was love? Yeah. And if Harry symbolizes love, then that's what you, that, that, then it all points to that. Um, you said the L word again. I did. Yeah. Can we change the L word to something like the D word, like death? No. It's the L oh. word. It's love. Maybe we can just think of a code word for it, like biscuit. No. <laughs> the interesting thing about Harry is that he's he has this leadership ability, but he's not he's not really interested in in uh, stepping up necessarily or, or seizing the moment all the time. I mean, he really had to be pushed into this by Hermione, right? Yeah, it's it's ironic that she's the bossy one. She bosses right. him into it. But well, the thing I love is that is exactly that he he doesn't step up, but a lot of it is because he's so so afraid of hurting anybody or having anybody hurt near him that he just yeah. would rather do it alone. Do you guys have a cool Slytherin smiley? I think there's we, like a We don't do one. stupid things like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Smiley doesn't sound very Slytherin, does it? Do you guys not no. have any fun at all in your house at all? Um, we like killing things. Oh, charming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and... <laughs> oh, yeah, making people cry. 
I want to know what somebody does for someone like J.K. Rowling for Valentine's Day. I bet he buys her some chocolate because she can't buy any on her own. Why can't she buy chocolate? People would be like, ooh, got a dementia problem? Or something. Something squirrely, you know? Oh. That's true. Only one question. Was there or was there not a scene in one of the books where somebody feeds somebody toast when they're in the fire? How the hell are you going to do that when you're sitting there in the coals? The no, bread's going to catch on fire. Toast. I know. No one likes burnt toast. <laughs> There was a touch of a Wookiee in there, I think. <laughs> Isn't it, though? Wookiee. Wookiee who's stoned or something. <laughs> oh, my God. Master has presented Dobby with clothes. Dobby is free. <laughs> Dobby is say. free. <laughs> do the hippogriff. Now, I just imagine the lyrics to that. Do 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 like the chicken. So what do you do if you do the hippogriff? <laughs> you didn't just do that. <laughs> no, you know who's gonna come oh, after me? <laughs> Neil Murray. He's gonna come after you with all his with all his um, anesthesia tools. <laughs> it's not a good place to be between. Are you talking about he's gonna come after me with a CD of the best of Mucklecast? Oh my god! <laughs> Hey. What the hell do you have to dial a plus? I don't know. Why is there even a plus, period? I don't have a plus on my phone. <laughs> plus is yeah, rule. Nobody wants Hufflepuff points, Sue. Hey! <laughs> and the easiest way to get Sue angry is <laughs> rip on Hufflepuff. We're serious. My beloved tofu eating, tree hugging. I promise, no more squealing. Only the only time I will squeal if I get to meet Jason Isaacs. We got a voicemail from Jason Isaacs the other day. He and Ralph Fiennes were having a PJ party the other night. It's great. Well, Ralph too. He was there. It was brother. Ray and Ralph Fiennes. Ray. Ray, Ralph, and Ray. It was funny because they were all sitting around playing truth or dare, and they they dared. He got dared to call in Pottercast and talk about his, his crush on Sue. <laughs> All right, we gotta go. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. Oh, it's the end. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you, ladies and ladies. Bye, guys. That was probably the best podcast we've ever done this week. Up 40. Number 40, the 40th set of drums. Oh, have we had drums the whole time with the 40? No. All through the 40? No, we didn't even have a wrap-up in the beginning, but then John came on, and then I was like, yeah. hey, Sue, come yeah. chat with us, and and it became a thing. Yeah, how did... Yeah, it's very... It's just kind of... all kind of fell together nicely. Well, what's been your favorite part of the last 40 weeks? I don't know. I'm still so fond of the first one, even though I don't like listening to it anymore. Just remembering. I wasn't even on the first one, but I just remembering I can't coaching listen. Melissa. 
<laughs> so many. He was takes so on that patient. <laughs> he was so patient with me. <laughs> oh, so fun. <laughs> Except when we both got impatient with each other. Yeah. Oh man, what was the trick? Like, in order to smiling. Yeah, you had to smile while you were talking to make yourself smile while I, while I was talking. Sound like you were. It was like it's a, like a grab in the dark. Maybe this will work, and it did. Yeah, it was like <laughs> tricking yourself into making yourself not sound like you desperately don't want to be doing yeah. this. <laughs> but I did not want to be. Do- it's just that it was not. It was it, it was four o'clock in the morning. Being and nervous we were too. And yeah, each other. With all the emotions. So. Oh, she wasn't nervous at all. No, surely not. <laughs> no, surely no not. one's alive then. No, and uh, what's what, what's been my favorite oh, of the past forty weeks? God, I don't know. Sir. You know, I have to tell you honestly. For me, has been just the the people. I know I keep saying that, and it sounds like such a dorky Hufflepuff thing, but I just love. The, all the, the and the forum and just the way the reaction to the people and so to me I've gotten to meet so many new people because of this podcast and it's just just made I don't know my Potter experience more fun I don't know that just sounds so goofy and hokey sure. and sappy but it's true and it just you know I mean yeah. so I've loved I've loved um, pushing for more interviews I know that sounds no, sort of dorky but in the in in the daily you know in the daily Potter thing because it is a side thing. You don't have time. You sort of let it go. And before you know it, weeks have gone by, and we haven't presented the Potter world with the kind of information we could be presenting the Potter world. But because I've no, I know I've got Pottercasts coming. It's sort of pushed a, a hard. There's been a harder push for getting to talk to interviews, coming up with good subjects and stuff like that. And it's been really rewarding journalistically. Yeah. You know, this is a whole new kind of of communication. It is. You know, I, I agree um, with that, Melissa. That's a very good point. It's awesome, and I. Yeah. No, it really is and true. I remember it's awesome. I, I talked to Steve a few weeks ago before Canon Conundrum started, and I was telling him about it. And he was he was saying, you know, just kind of offhandedly, it's like it's that's pretty cool. You guys put out a show every week like that, and like and you have to put it out. It's like you can't just do it some other time. It's like a weekly commitment. You have to come up with something every week. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean. I was just... I mean, it's just true. It is. And and that sounds sort of like, well, duh, you have to come up with something every week. But it is hard sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand how, like, NPR does it, how... Yeah. Anyway. And how many nights of the week do we record for this show now? At least two or three. three. At least least two or three. I mean, especially weeks that we have to record more conundrums and mailbags. Yeah, you know. Plus trying to, you know, have a job and have a life and do leaky and and school and everything else. It's like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) But it's it's just become, yeah, it's become a huge responsibility, a fun one. Mm -hmm. But there are times when I'm not in the mood to record. (laughs) When I'm sure that John is not feeling funny. Yeah, like kind of when I wake up in the morning, like right now, and I'm trying to Shush. talk without a It's not the morning. It's yeah. And then that's another thing, the voice thing. I've had days where my my, my voice felt like it was gonna just, you know, because I was feeling yeah. sick or whatever. Yeah. And you have to just you have to just say screw it. You have to talk. We've we've sp- we've spoken for hours yeah. at a time yeah. because of Pottercast. It's true. It's true. It's awesome. Commentaries, but it's great. Commentary singular. Commentary. Commentary. We'll get more. We'll get to people it. Wonder, we, I love, people wonder. I love why we haven't done it. People wonder that we plan to do a record 
at uh, Sorcerer's Stone one night, and we had video issues, and we couldn't do it. Yeah. It's not just us, like, I don't want to record commentaries. It was us trying to and just not working. And we've been, I mean, we literally try, like, yeah. every night. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't, it just well, doesn't work out. it's hard for me, too, because yeah. I'm, like, the old one of the bunch, and so I, and I get up very early, so it's like, oh, man. <laughs> you want to take when? Yeah, like, come on, Sue. <laughs> We're starting at midnight. What? Timber Secrets. Let's go. <laughs> three hours. Sure, I'll step till three and, and get up at like, five. Whoa. That's always good for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. And then I get home from work at, like, 6.30, so. You know, we'd have to start at 7, and it's a whole, you know, it's a yeah. whole thing. But so. we love it, though, and we're going to have 40 more, God willing, and it's going to be great. And mm-hmm. Keep on yeah. going. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, what about, have you guys, fun do you guys stuff. have any, any funniest moments that you remember? Well, not funniest, but my favorite moment of all is when I got to Lauren oh. going to New York. I think I've shattered eardrums from here yeah. around the world, but that was just. That was a good call. Oh, that was fun. That was good. I love talking to like with uh, Chris oh, again and yeah. Jamie, mm-hmm. and then we talked with um, with Matthew Lewis. Yeah. And um, did we talk to Devin, or did and that just didn't end up recording, right? We have stuff like that in the pipeline. Devin just sort of came on the line for a few minutes, and we all talked to him, but he didn't record. Yeah. And just like, I mean, outside of going to the premiere and stuff, it's like I would never randomly get on the phone with these people. Yeah, it's, just, it's so funny. I mean, I've got a roommate who's a Harry Potter fan, and um, we were. Rec- <laughs> he always reminds me of this because he thinks it's the stupidest or the funniest thing. But um, it was the morning that we were going to record with Jamie. And uh, he was on the phone, and I went to the bathroom, and I'd saw him on the way, and I'm like, Joseph, come in here. I'm talking to crap on the phone. He just looks at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and he came in there, and I put a, I put the headset on him, and he just stood there like a mute. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's crap on the phone. It's like, oh. all right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of random. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there it is with podcast so you know it always sort of it, it's all become just sort of natural now and that so when so when people say to me when people now come up and say oh my gosh you've spoken to blah 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 I feel I feel really bad because I'm sort of like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's not, I'm not like jaded but I'm just sort of like oh yeah yeah he came on the show he's great you know and I remember a couple of years ago when I would have flipped my wig at that kind of thing you know sure. So it's a lot of fun. Hey, also this year, I mean, I don't think we can talk about the last year in podcast without without mentioning the Muggle Boys. Yeah. Oh, yes. And how much fun we've had with them. Yeah, I was just looking at the show notes for the first Leaky Mug. I don't think we didn't call it Leaky Mug back then, but I wasn't even on this one either. Mm-mm. And I think the show notes was said something like, you know, it's true, for the record, Leaky Muggle that don't hate each yeah. other. And it's just kind of funny looking at that and thinking that, you know where we're at now. I know. I mean, considering look, we're doing these giant live podcasts, and just I mean, it's yeah. just phenomenal. I just wow. Yeah. And yeah, we got we originally when we originally got together. I mean, I when we found out. I mean, we've said this before. When we found out that MuggleNet put out a podcast, we were sort of I know like, because we were we were yes. planning, yeah. and we said, God, we would ever be tagged with 
we did this because of them, which isn't true. But what I did, I was having a lot of trouble with the technical side of things. And so I emailed Andrew and said, hey, you know, great that you guys are doing this. We're trying to do this. Help. Mm -hmm. Help. I can't get it to work. Mm -hmm. And he, out of nowhere, was completely, I mean, he could have said, who are you emailing me, leaky person? I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you do something that's going to split our Get out of here. So, no, he was very helpful. And then iTunes, if you remember, yanked our podcast because they were concerned about this whole new Potter craze because we were all climbing in the rankings and all this. And that's why we did the first leaky mug because we wanted to explain to people what happened. And that came out of all of a sudden we were all talking on Skype because of all these things that were going on we all started talking on Skype and discovered that we liked each other and were funny with each other mm. and not only did we like like each other as sites previously but now we like each other as people yeah, yeah. and yes incredible and that has you've seen yeah. where that's gone <laughs> yeah oh boy it's just incredible and we're not gonna have any fun stories to talk about in Vegas oh God, we have so much oh, coming. folks, it's going to be good. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll have plenty to talk about. It's going to be awesome. So so let's 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 thank some people who have helped us oh, over yes, the past. Yes, definitely. Okay. If we're being mm-hmm. all retrospective. Okay. Of course, the Muggle Boys. Because Muggle and Greg. Yes, him. Of course. Guru. He rocks. Yay. Mr. Yes. Pilkmeister. The occasional Pilkman to the weekly podcaster. Yeah. yeah, we sucked him right That's in. That's how you... Uh, that's what we do with the talent. Yeah. Maury Demerell. Of course. Who had a good voice, and so we made her the intro for everything <laughs> yes. and a weekly podcast. Yeah. Laura will be in touch. That's what we do. Mods. We'll be in touch about recording a new Canon Conundrums intro, mm-hmm. Laurie. Canon Conundrums. Well, um, Kim and Parker. Kim of course. Yes. Everybody and Parker. Everybody and Parker. Doris, Nick. And all the mods that mm-hmm. have appeared, too. I mean, we, we are lucky to have some incredible moderators that that work in the forum and have come on the show and help with ideas and they're just they're really a good team we got here yeah moderating a forum is one of the hardest things to do because you're dealing with so many different types of people so many different types of problems their lives are stressful enough as it is to not have to worry about putting together a segment every week sure. and they do it so yeah. thank you guys mm-hmm. and the transcription yes, oh my god you guys write everything we say. You're writing this right now. They're writing it right now. Hey, Naomi and Kimmy and oh god, just Tina and 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 so many. mommy and just so many of them all. You're brilliant. And your bio yes. soon will be on podcast.com. Awesome. Yes, just phenomenal. And and Kimmy for running a stellar fan site. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to all the guys. You guys have made us fan sites. You've, you've. I have a rock yeah. band now. Yeah. You guys have just thrown so much love our way because of this. It's been, it's been the squeers, awesome. man. Yeah. Squee for the squeers. I love, I love Holly. So I got to thank her. She's and Lori, and they're just <laughs> all of them. All the squeers are just brilliant. Yes. My mafia. Mm-hmm. I love my mafia. Of course. How many girls That's have true. a mob? Your grandma is so Seriously? proud. My grandma is very <laughs> proud, let me tell you. Nonna is quite happy with the Italian stereotype yes. going on. Anyway. She gives it her thumbs up of approval. And who else? Well, who else, let's, guys? Think, so many, well, so many let's thank the editors. God bless them. Oh, oh my God. Course. How can we not be talking about the editors already? When, when did they pop in? Uh, Steed came first. I think it was mm-hmm. like podcast 12, 14, I I don't remember, but it was like maybe, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 20. Well, them starting to edit all the segments and taking it off of our hands, because I used to edit the interviews I did and yeah. you know, and all that, and John used to edit you know, everything, and it 
audio editing is very time consuming and yes. they have just allowed us to focus on making the show better as opposed to as opposed to screwing with audio programs which is a huge help well yeah I mean it's only very recently that they've actually put together all the, I think maybe it's since podcast 30 or maybe a little before then but I think how did it start is that it was Steed then started doing our stuff the mailbag the news wrap and the wrap up and then mm-hmm. we did the rest, and then I still put the Ben show together, and then we got, you know, we got uh, Mike Neighbors, Jeff, Jeff Gregory, Gregory, and then Stephen Gansey, Gansey, and then Dewey, and then Dewey, Dewey's come on to help with the fan responses and things. And wow! Now, now it's like we've put our recordings up there and set it and forget it, and it was like got the crackpot going, and the podcast is done. The crockpot going. You know, it is. John brings it right back to food. But it is, you know, I mean, it just keeps growing. We're just like this big stew, and we put this together every week, and we've come up with this fantastic program, I think. I'm, I'm. There's so much to do, and then you think about the constraints of a week. How much, how much room? I, I don't envy real life audio people, you know, mm-hmm. editors and radio editors, because there's so much you want to do, but you can't fit it into a show every week. Sure. You don't have the time to record everything you want to record, to do all the interviews you want to do. But we're, yeah. we're always, we're always growing and all yeah. that junk. I mean, you take, you take a mailbag that could have a physical representation that would fill up the size of my apartment, yeah. and we get to three of them every week. All right, I know. <laughs> Kristen Brown, we should mention her. She comes on and she's phenomenal. She's oh, yeah. Awesome. Of course. She has her, her second yeah, she's accent. So great. And Steve Vanderark for these past five yes. Gannick Conundrums. Oh, my goodness. I think Steve has been the best ad to this show he's, in a long time. Oh, of course he has. He's, he's so just smart. Puts you in your place, John, It's which is always yeah, good for me. That, right, but you know, but I enjoy it, though, because he stimu- you know, helps stimulate our conversation and just makes us think, you know, and I just, I, I, for me, it's a real honor. I just think he, I think highly of him, and I just love that we get to, the opportunity to do it, so it's, well, just to do all yeah. of us. It's great, so... So, yes, now that we've, we've like, done yes. like, the Oscar <laughs> acceptance speech it will never yes. end. where they try and cut you off. And... Thank you, everybody. Everybody who listens, everybody who sends in your voicemails, people who make the filks. I mean, you have just made this so much fun. And that's the that's the, the end point of all of this is that we do this because it is mm-hmm. so much fun. And without all your participation and all the feedback we've been able to get from the fans, it would not be nearly as much fun. It's true. Nearly. True. Rock on. You guys, it's awesome. So next week, Remus and the Lupins, or the so, Remus Lupins. Remus and the Lupins. We got another Canon Conundrums coming up yeah. all about... The Veil. Veil. The Veil. The, 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 the Whispers Behind the Veil. Yes. What's going on with all those voices behind the Veil? That'll be a good one. Alrighty. Send in some voicemails, and we'll play them on the show, and they'll be great. What's going on? Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Have a good week. Right. Thanks for listening. That's the end. That's the end. Oh. Anything special we could do at the end for our number 40? Just go! You're wasting time! Oh, I can tap that. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, and about time, too. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Just go! You're wasting time! We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. And that lovely new theme music that we're going to come up with for the Canon <laughs> yes. Conundrums as well. I'm so, I'm Do we so have that yet or shall I sing something? Sing for us. Okay, all right.
It's time for the cannon conundrums. <laughs> okay, good. Let's do it. You know, we might have to use that. I think so. <laughs> and then, and well, then, it's copyrighted. You'll have to pay me royalties. And then at the very so. end, I get to go cannon conundrums.